Good morning, everyone. If you don't know me, my name is Alex. I can typically be found in that booth back there or attached to Riley's hip everywhere she goes. Ha ha ha. Laugh it up. I uh, usually help with the youth group and a few other things around the church uh, just to kind of occupy my time. Uh, jumping right in, last week, Pastor Zach explained the names Yahweh Sidkenu and Yahweh Mkaddish. I believe the next one to be the name that represents God best for his character of goodness. Yahweh Rapha. It's a lot easier to pronounce than last week, uh, and this roughly translates to the Lord heals. Healing is a large part of what makes up God's good nature. The word heal in Hebrew means to restore, to heal, to make healthy, to repair, and to mend and make whole. Our Father in Heaven has a covenant relationship with us as our restorer, our on-call Father we go to when things are broken. He is the one who makes us whole. Yahweh Rapha is the true source of all restoration and healing. We know that God is love, but we must also know that God is healing. His influence in our spiritual and physical lives brings restoration and healing. Rapha is a vital part of our God. It represents one of the greatest gifts and blessings we receive through salvation and redemption in His Son. God does not just heal physically. He is the God of mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual healing. Yahweh Rapha passionately longs to liberate us from every disease and sickness of body and mind. When we obey and live according to scripture, he promises to be our spiritual and physical healer. Let's explore some of the Old Testament in a little more detail as it will give more insight into God's name as Yahweh Rapha. We'll be picking up right after God institutes the Passover and provides this great protection from the Israelites from the 10th plague. God had been performing miracles never seen before and was in the process of delivering the Israelites from the hands of Egypt. As the Israelites were fleeing, not even one Israelite was injured or harmed throughout the entire pursuit, and not a single soldier survived the collapsing sea. This brings us to Exodus 15, a song of praise sung by Moses and the Israelites to the Lord for all he had done. Exodus 15:2 says, The Lord is my strength and my song. And he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. Jumping forward to verse 11. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. God displays in these actions of liberating the Israelites his unfailing love and strength for them. But the children of Israel were very quick to forget all he had done once their journey into the wilderness began. Exodus fifteen twenty two through 26 Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter, Therefore, it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log. And he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. 
took the Israelites just three days to forget how loving their God was and to forget all he had done to deliver them, all the awesome power that he had shown. Their unbelief permeated their minds and they refused to think their God could deliver them something as simple as drinkable water. Moses had heeded what the Lord had said and he saw their plight and he cried out to the Lord immediately and he answered with a way to make the water drinkable. He made the bitter sweet. God chose this moment to reveal another characteristic of his nature and a promise of his healing. A bitter soul leads to torment in our lives, thoughts, and emotions, because a mind and body that is infested with bitterness cannot flourish. Yahweh can remove our bitterness and restore to us joy and peace. Israel had a spirit of bitterness in them due to their captivity in Egypt, and it was hindering them from trusting God and diligently following him. Their bitterness had corrupted them physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Yahweh Rapha used the bitter water to show his people that he is the healer of all bitterness. Bitterness impedes his healing and distracts us from loving and serving him. God wants us to wash away our bitterness with his love. Jeremiah 30.17 says, For I will restore health to you and your wounds I will heal, declares the Lord, because they have called you an outcast. It is Zion for whom no one cares. You may be holding bitterness for several reasons. Family, friends, people who maybe turn their backs to you. You may have something from your childhood that has buried itself deep inside and made you bitter your entire life. You may have deep wounds on your heart and your soul from being betrayed and let down, leaving a streak of unforgiving bitterness a mile wide. You may have been hurt by addiction, abuse, hatred, and horrible experiences that have just destroyed your well-being and mind. People may look down on you as an outcast and tell you that you're not wanted. But that is not what the Lord tells you. Yahweh Rapha is seeking to give you total healing and to completely restore you. He is waiting for you to trust in him and seek his word. He wants to bring you into his healing presence. For he is the cure of every affliction and disease. Matthew four twenty two or 23 through 24. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. No matter what the affliction or disease, Yahweh Rapha desires to heal every one of you. Healing is not something only available to those of the past. He is not the God formerly known as Yahweh Rapha. He will always be known as the Lord who heals. Jeremiah 17.14 says, Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved. For you are my praise. When Yahweh Rapha heals you, there is nothing you will lack because his healing is absolute. He is the healer of the crushed in spirit and the brokenhearted. Psalm 34:18 The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Often as Christians, we face being crushed in spirit on a regular basis. We are told that we'll be persecuted for our beliefs, but we are not told the forms of persecution. We'll often be excluded from certain circles or our non-believing friends won't come to us for help because they just always assume that our answer is going to be pushing Jesus and the Bibles down their throat forcing them to believe what we believe. But don't let the persecution and that pressure get to you. 
Don't let your spirit be crushed and do not be discouraged. The answer to a broken heart and the crushing weight lies with the examples of Jesus. He is known as the great physician. He healed the sick and carried out his father's will by healing every ailment of mind and body among the people. He was known for resolving the problems of the world and curing sickness. Matthew 14, 14. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Matthew fifteen twenty nine through 31. Jesus went on from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee. And he went up on the mountain and sat down there. And great crowds came to him, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. And they put them at his feet, and he healed them. So that the crowd wondered when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled healthy, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. And they glorified the God of Israel. We can see another reason that Jesus chooses to heal is to glorify his Father who is in heaven, who gives him the ability to do these things. Moving on with more examples of Jesus' healing. Luke 4.40 Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with very diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on them, every one of them, and healed them. Jesus loved and had compassion for those who were afflicted, and he healed them. He reached out to every single one of the sick and afflicted. No disease or sickness could stand against the power of God. Jesus demonstrated in his ministry how his heavenly father was a God who healed all who had faith in him. He demonstrated how to love those who may not love you in return. And that lies the answer to this crushing weight. The greatest of all commandments. Love. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 40 Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. While these are the greatest of the commandments, they seem to be some of the hardest to abide by. It seems a, a pretty lofty goal to love all of your neighbors. But just who is your neighbor? Jesus answers this in Luke when he's questioned by an expert in the law after he said this. In reply, Jesus said in Luke 10, 30-37, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Jesus tells us in this, the very simple answer to who is our neighbor. Everyone is our neighbor. Even loftier, Jesus holds us to a higher standard than even that. He asks us to also love our enemies. Matthew five forty four, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. 
But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now this extends a little farther. Okay, I know who my neighbor is, but who is my enemy? This is where it gets a little tricky because of how you would interpret this personally. But I think the most common way people interpret enemies are the people that they do not agree with. It's hard to tell someone that you love them when you don't agree with what they do. But I will say this. It is possible to still love them and not agree with them. Jesus kept the company of many people thought would be his enemies. But he sat down to dinner with them. He prayed for them. Jesus says and does all these things, knowing how difficult it is for man to work around their sin nature and follow these great commandments. This redemption can only be accomplished through Jesus' finished work on the cross and his resurrection. The sickness and disease in the world do not originate from God, but entered the world when Adam fell, and sin entered the world. Mankind had become corrupted with sin, and with that, the diseases and sickness followed. God is the solution to rid ourselves of this affliction and sin. Through the commandments that we have been called to follow, to love our neighbors and our enemies, we have a way to combat our sinful nature. But this is only temporary. The only way to achieve this wholly and permanently is to believe and accept the gift that we were given by Jesus' finished work on the cross and through his resurrection. He was crucified to take away the bitterness of sin and to redeem mankind with the sweetness of his love for us. 1 Peter 2, 24 Who himself bore our sins in his own body on that tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Our redemption did not come without a price. Jesus bore every sickness and pain caused by our collective sin while on that cross, and he was our complete substitute. The cross represents so much more than just death. It represents the breaking free of the sin, of the sickness, disease, and death that had plagued mankind since the fall of Adam. We were made righteous, healed, and delivered by our Lord's redemption at Calvary. Jesus had been subjected to severe beatings over about 12 hours from the time of his arrest to the time of his death. Criminals who were typically sentenced to crucifixion were usually scourged before being hung on a cross. They were stripped and bound and lashed with whips filled with sharp objects like glass and metal. The aftermath of this is described shortly in Psalms. Psalm 129.3 says, The plowers plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. Jesus' back looked like a freshly plowed field because of how brutal this beating was. After being given his death sentence, Jesus is sent to the praetorium to be mocked and tortured by more Roman soldiers, and they press a crown of thorns onto his head. They viciously flogged him until morning. God gave Isaiah a revelation on this brutal suffering that our Lord endured for us. Isaiah 52.14 Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man, and his form marred beyond human likeness. Jesus' body was just this mass of ripped and torn flesh that caused him extreme agony with every bit of movement. 
he endured this unimaginable mental and physical torture to pay the price for our transgressions. At any point in time during all of this, Jesus could have called upon an army of angels to deliver him, but he chose instead to endure the cross, all the pain, the beatings, the mocking, and the torture, because he loved you and me. When he was beaten and mocked and crucified, the only one of the things going through his mind was you. Jesus went through all of the agony of the crucifixion for you, even if you were the only person who would ever believe and be saved. That is how precious and loved you are. Hebrews 12 tells us that Jesus endured the cross with joy because he knew he was paying the price for our sins. Jesus died in our stead, and he paid the penalty for our sin and all of its consequences. He bore our sins, our sicknesses, our pains, and our infirmities. He was savagely beaten and crucified for you so that he could justify you and make you righteous to sanctify you and bring you into the family of God as a son or daughter. He fractured the rule of disease, sickness, and his sin throughout his sacrifice on the cross. The love of Christ is so colossal that it is outside our understanding the price Jesus would pay for us. That Jesus would endure physical and mental torture for over 12 hours and crucifixion on the cross for us. We are made complete by the sacrifice he shed for us and the body he let be broken for you and for me. The prophet Isaiah further elaborates on what Jesus bore and the physical, mental, and spiritual healing that are part of our redemption. Isaiah 53, 3-7 he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishments that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before the shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. The word of God declares repeatedly that Jesus was going to carry our pains and bear our sicknesses. God wanted to leave no doubt in our minds as to the firm truth that all of our sin were absolutely born on the cross of Jesus that day. He took it upon himself to take the sin for all of mankind, pay the price for everyone, effectively taking the punishment for each one. All of your pain and your sin and your consequence passed from you to Christ. And salvation, health, deliverance, and peace flowed from Christ to you. Yahweh Rapha achieved total healing on the cross of Jesus Christ and reversed a calamity brought on man by the fall of Adam. With Jesus' furrows along his back, we have been healed and made whole. There is incredible physical, mental, 
and spiritual healing and our salvation that consumes our entire being, being with healing and restores and mends every bitter part of our bodies, hearts, and souls. This amazing healing causes us to live in God's contentment and his peace and enables us to have a living and strong relationship with him. Yahweh wants us to live healthy and vibrant lives on the earth. He wants us to have perfect mental stability where our minds are renewed by the truth of his word and our thoughts are pure and untainted by the fears, anxieties, and worries of this day and age. No longer do we have to be in bondage to any depression, any thought of us being inadequate, any feeling of unworthiness, because our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, paid the price for our mental healing and brought mighty deliverance and freedom through his redeeming work on the cross. It's so very important for us as believers to be able to discern the importance of the Lord's body and his blood and what magnificent things were accomplished when it was broken and shed for you. The Lord instituted communion as a memorial of his finished work on the cross so believers could reflect and remember the magnitude of their individual redemption accomplished and bought by the blood and body of Jesus Christ. Most of us know that in communion, the cup of juice that we drink represents the blood of Jesus, which was shed for the forgiveness of sins. And we also know that that small piece of bread represents his body. But how often do we think about the communion ceremony as a whole and what it should mean to us? Paul had to instruct the Corinthian believers on the importance of this very point in discerning the Lord's body during communion. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight through 30 A man ought to examine himself before he should eat of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. The Corinthian church did not adequately discern and recognize the significance and the meaning of the broken, beaten body of our Lord when partaking in their communion. They reaped the culmination of their unbelief, as many in the church of Corinth were weak, sick, and dying long before their time. The bread represented the body of our Lord that was maliciously beaten and broken for our physical well-being and our healing. There is not only forgiveness in communion, but healing also. The children of Israel ate of the unleavened bread when they partook in the Passover. There was not one feeble, sick, weak, or dying person among the 600,000 when they left Egypt in triumph. Can you imagine that? That is the population of the state that we live in. Can you imagine our entire state all marching out together and there's not a single sick, weak, or dying person among them? By partaking of the bread and the cup in communion, we are also partaking in that same healing. Yahweh wants us as his children to live full lives free from the struggles of sicknesses, diseases, and pain. He's established communion so the church and the world would never forget the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, His Son, and the spiritual and physical blessings that extend to us from His death, burial, and His resurrection. He is our Savior and made complete the requirement for our healing in His atonement and His sacrifice. 
Now we are beginning to see this magnificent magnificence of this characteristic of God revealed in the name Yahweh Rapha. The Lord is our healer. He is our restorer and our mender. And he takes away all the depression and bitterness from our lives. He picks up our pieces and he puts us back together again. Like a puzzle. He heals our broken hearts and cleans and bandages our wounds. He has a covenant of healing with us, sealed by the blood and broken body of his only begotten son. God intensely wants us to live in his healing power and enjoy the amazing life that he has so richly and graciously given to us. He desires for us to thrive and be in good health with every fiber of our body, souls, and spirits. God desires for us to enjoy his goodness by accepting the great blessing of healing that is freely given to us in his Son, Christ Jesus. The voice of God to his children is a voice of healing. The plain message and good word of God to his people is that the Lord is our healing and his life within us restores and re-energizes our body and soul so that they burst forth with health. God wants us to understand that just as he is love, he is healing, and he has made complete, absolute provision for physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual healing through his Son. How wonderful it is to know the Lord as Yahweh Rapha. This is part of the unmatchable goodness of God. He heals, he restores, he cures, and he repairs everything that is broken in our lives. Praise God for his love.